excited um, as we were singing through those songs. I couldn't help but think about the order of them, and we do them in order for reason at times, and then sometimes I forget why we do them, and then this morning I realized this one was when you look at that first song and you see the victory we have in Jesus, and because of the victory we have in Christ, and because Christ was the sacrifice that conquered death, hell, and the grave, that the enemy has to flee at his name, and then God is for us, and when we go through things, God is there to take care of us, and so I just amazing how well the songs fit together this morning for our topic, and excited this morning, as I said earlier, to continue to study through the book of James. Um, it's a very practical book that leads us to spiritual maturity and to become doers of God's word and not just hearers, uh, but it's also one of my favorite books in the Bible because of um, just what it means to me, and this is a book that if somebody comes to know Christ and they ask me what should they be reading and what should they, uh, what should they read to, to grow in their faith, and that's what I tell them, the book of James. So if maybe that's a question you just have today is what should I be reading, I would encourage you to read the book of James. Um, but last week we looked at uh, verses 1 through 11 of James, of chapter 1, uh, and we discussed that when we face the trials of this life, we should, should consider them joyous. Uh, and as I told y'all and expressed my own heart in that, that is very difficult for me. I, I, I'm not good at considering them joyous. I, I want to take care of them myself. I want to handle my own ability. And because of that, I, I, they overwhelm me. They stress me out. Uh, and I, joyous is the last thing I think of when I think of uh, trials of this life, being sick and problems and issues. And, but he also, he's, he, when he discussed how not only should we consider them joyous, but we should um, ask God for wisdom and strength when we go through them. That we shouldn't depend on our own abilities, but depend on God. And that when we ask God of wisdom and strength, we should ask him in faith rather than in doubting and arrogance. We should have faith that God's going to do it, but not so much that we're arrogant about it, demanding or assuming that we deserve it because we do not. And this week, we're not only look at we're going to look at the result of testing, but we're also going to look at why we should consider these moments joyous, because uh, we haven't discussed that yet. We haven't looked at why these things are so good and and why we should consider them joyous, and then what is the result of testing? And I think that's the question that most people have today, uh, in, when they go through situations, when they find themselves in difficulties. Maybe it's financially, family, deaths, loved ones. Uh, just situations that are out of our control, the question that I tend to ask first is why? Why does this happen? Why do I go through this? Why, why me? Why, why that person? Why, why are they going through that? Why? why? And we're going to look at why this morning. We're going to look at one of the purposes of these situations. So if you would, turn with me to chapter 1 of James. Uh, we're going to look at verses 2 through 4, and then we're going to jump to 12 through 18. Uh, and my prayer this morning is that we understand that the trials, struggles, issues, and temptations that we go through in this life lead to spiritual maturity. Let us pray as you turn there. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we thank you so much for this day, God. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and to worship you, God, and to glorify you as a body of believers, God, and I pray that we never lose sight of that. I pray that we never lose sight of the importance of that and the amazingness of being able to gather together with people that, that 
that we could be so different from if it was any other organization, God, but because of who you are, you bring us together and we glorify you, God. And we thank you for the victory we have in Christ. And we thank you for the fact that the victory we have in him, that the, we just speak of your name and these situations are taken care of, God, and that you are for us and not against us. And this morning, I pray that as we uh, open up your word and consider it to our, in our hearts this morning, that we apply it to our hearts, God, and we understand that the moments of trials and issues and struggles and temptation that we find ourselves, God, they're for good, they're for joy, they're for peace, and they're for spiritual maturity, God. And you remind us of that. You remind us of your peace, God. And I pray that you take me, you hide me behind your cross, God, and the words that I express when teaching your word, God, is yours and yours alone and nothing of my own. We love you, we glorify you, and we praise you. In your son's holy name, amen. Forgive me this morning. Uh, I'm going to drink water a lot because right now I feel horrible. Uh, I was getting better and I was, uh, sinuses got to me uh, Thursday morning when I woke up. And Friday I felt really bad uh, and I was feeling really good. And so I started talking a lot this morning. And now my voice is giving out on me and my throat hurts. Uh, so I apologize if I drink a lot of water this morning. But um, if you would, let's look at verses 2, um, and uh, we're going to look at verse 2 first, and we read this verse last week, and I explained it, uh, but I just want to start back with it this morning, because it is important that we understand this. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Uh, and what James is talking about here is the trials that he's speaking of is the issues that we go through in life. It's the same thing that everybody finds themselves going through. Uh, and I named some last week, and some of the ones I named were uh, work issues, financial problems, family problems, sickness, loss of loved ones, uh, just situations that are just out of our control at times. And that's what he's talking about here when we go through these trials, the, the trials that we cannot control, the trials that, that just happen in life, that we should consider them joyous. And I expressed to y'all last week, as I did earlier, that this isn't good for me. This isn't easy for me that, that I have a difficulty in this. I have difficulty in considering these things joyous. But then last week we didn't discuss three and four, and I want to look at that this morning. He says, knowing that testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And what James is talking about here, he presents a, just a pattern that he's going through. He says, testing of your faith leads to patience. Uh, and I was thinking about that this week, and I expressed this to y'all Wednesday, and I just want to tell y'all how my week was after um, preaching that sermon to you last week of how we should consider these moments joyous. Uh, last week, uh, I, I found myself Wednesday after work, uh, working on my truck in O'Reilly's parking lot in Amory for three hours, and or two and a half, or whatever it was, and I was working on it, and the whole time I was thinking, well, I just can't be mad at this time. I, I, just, I just can't be mad, and, and, and because of that, I had a little bit of patience that I was looking back and thinking back of what God had taught me through preaching last week, that, that we should consider these moments joyous. And then yesterday morning, I get up and I go to work like I do every Saturday morning. I get up about 6.20 and I leave the house about 6.40. Uh, and it may have been closer to 6.50, but, uh, but I leave the house, and I'm driving to work, and I get to the end of uh, South Harmony Road in, in Becker, if you know where that's at, and um, my truck, uh, it just cuts off going down the side of the road, um, and I'm driving, and, and everything shuts down, and the, the alternator goes out on me, 
And so I get to the end of that stop sign. I park in this little Methodist church parking lot. And I'm about a quarter of a mile to work, and it's raining nice and good. And so I get out, and I walk to work in the rain. Uh, and I'm over here thinking, man, I really wish that I wouldn't have preached last week on testing. I, I really wish that this just wasn't something I was going through, but I, I was joyous. I, I was looking at the good in it. Uh, and Lynn came and rescued me and went and got me an alternator, and we got the car fixed. And, uh, and, but it, it, was a, it was a funny moment to have on a Saturday morning. And I was just thinking back to, to last week's message and this week's message. And what I learned in all of this is when I look back at my life, if that would have been three weeks ago, I would have been mad. All right? That would have ruined my entire week. Uh, I, I just, I, I wouldn't have been happy. But, but because of this, because of God teaching me through this study, and I pray the same thing is happening for you, that it did lead to patience. That, that through the testing that I had this week, it led to more patience. And that's something I need more of. But then James goes on in verse uh, 4, he says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And when we read this, it almost seems like James says that when we go through these trials and, and issues of life, that it, we're going to become perfect and sin-free, and that's not what he's saying. Because none, none of us are sin-free, right? We're, we're not perfect, we, we can't be perfect. And so when we look at the original text and we look at the way it translates to us this morning, it's a little different than it says here. It's not really the idea of perfection and without sin, but it's talking about spiritual maturity. That when we go through the trials of this life and we, 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 we are, our faith is tested and it leads us to patience, and then when we have patience and we go through this testing, that it ultimately leads to spiritual maturity. And the reasoning that is, the reason why it leads to spiritual maturity is because as we discussed last week, and if you read on, and we're not going to go in depth in it this morning, the next statement he goes into is that we should ask God for help in these moments. That we should ask God for wisdom, and we should ask God for strength and, and help in the, in the moments of trials and temptations. That we should ask God for his ability in these moments. And so when we go through this faith and we depend on God and we trust in God and His ability and His wisdom, then it grows us spiritually because we are beginning to trust more in Him and not of ourselves. Think of Paul's letter to Galatians, and he says that I must decrease and He must increase. And in these moments of trials, if we allow it to happen like they're supposed to, and we let go of our own strength, our own wisdom, and our own abilities, and we trust in God, then the outcome is that we grow spiritually. And that's what the outcome of, of testing is, is the, the spiritual growth that God desires. Then let's jump to verses 12, and we're going to look at 12 through 18. Uh, and he kind of switches goals a little bit here. In verse 12, let's read it. He says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which is the Lord has promised to those who love him. So James, in verses 1 through 12, he's discussing testing of our faith. He's discuss, discussing the issues, the problems, the struggles that we go through in life. And then in verse 12, he stops and he talks about the, the temptations of this world, the temptations of sin. I don't want us to be confused in looking at the, is the same concept here. It's a little different. He's talking about temptation, and before he was talking about trials. Uh, and not that trials can't lead to temptation and that that temptations can't be trials, but he's being specific here and he's talking about the temptation of sin. The temptation to, to fall into sin, and we're going to discuss that in a little bit. 
But he begins here and he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. He says, blessed is the man that, that overcomes this temptation. Uh, blessed is he that, that does this. And uh, he says that he is, when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life. And what he's talking about here, he's not talking about an individual moment of, of enduring through this temptation. He's talking about our lives. That when we endure through this temptation, that, that when we come to our end of our life, that when we, when we receive Christ as our Savior and we come to the end of our life, that we will receive the crown of life. And what that really means in, in our concept, and just to explain it simple, it means eternal life. That one day, that if we endure through this life, the difficulties of this life, and one day when we find ourselves before God, a perfect and holy God, then we will receive the eternal life through Christ Jesus. And I don't, want to, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I think about that day, and I think about, you know, sometimes it hits me that I'm not ready for it. Some days it hits me as a, as a concept that I just I don't want to imagine, but some days I, I think about it and think about heaven and I think about the stuff that I go through in this world and the trials, the struggles, the, the people I've lost, the loved ones I've missed. I think about the issues that we go through, the sickness, the pain, the, the sorrow, and I think about how amazing that day will be that there will be no more pain, there will be no more crying, there will be no more suffering, and, but one day that we will stand before God and we'll walk into eternal life and it'll be perfect forever. So James is encouraging them. He's saying, blessed is the man that endures to the end because he will receive eternal life. Not, and this is just an amazing thing. It's an encouraging thing. Then verse 13, he goes on. He says, let no one say that when he is test, tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does God himself tempt anyone. Verse 13, he's really just laying out here that we should not say that God tempts us. That we may go in, this is why I wanted to define the difference between trials and temptation, because if you read on in the book of James, it's going to say that God allows us to go through trials and to grow us spiritually, but temptation is a different thing, that God does not tempt us. And he says that God does not tempt us because God cannot be tempted, and nor does he tempt anyone. That God is a perfect and holy God, and he does not tempt us with sin. And so if God doesn't tempt us, if we're not tempted by God, then who tempts us? Then then what tempts us in this life? And he goes on to explain it in verses 14 and 15. But I want to begin before I read that and say that this concept is hard for us to understand. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and you look at the original fall, and you look at Adam and Eve, you know, Eve takes of the fruit, and then she gives to Adam, and Adam takes of the fruit, and, and, and God comes, and he calls them out, and um, God looks at Adam, and he says, what have you done? What does Adam say? This woman you gave me calls me to sin. And then he, then he talks to Eve, and Eve says, the serpent did it. And, and that, that, that you tempted me, and, and this is a concept that, that we don't want to understand very easily because it's, it's easy to blame someone else. See, Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. And so what we see is that this concept is hard, but let's look at it. Verses 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Well, it says that, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. 
That when we find ourselves in this temptation moment, that it happens because we are enticed by our own desires. That, that, that it's, just a, it's a side effect of our own selfish desires, our own fleshly desires. But I want to understand this this morning is that it could be that you're warring against the flesh too, though. That it's the desires of the flesh and your spiritual body, your salvation that comes through Christ because you've been changed in Christ. You may not desire it, but when you look at Paul's letter in Romans, he says, for I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. And Paul was discussing his, his struggle with sin, and we have that same struggle this morning, is that the, the sin that we find ourselves enticed by is the sin that we desire. That we, our flesh desires it. It may not be what we want to do spiritually, and it may not be what we desire to do in a spiritual concept, but our flesh does. The worldly side does. So we're tempted by our own flesh and desires, not by God. God doesn't do it, but we do it. But then he goes on and he says, if we, when we act upon that sin, then when we act upon that desire, then it becomes sin. The, the, the desire itself, the, the, the temptation itself is not a sinful thing. That, that when we have the temptation of, uh, of whatever the sin may be that you deal with, the temptation is, is not the sin, but the, the acting upon it is. And then he goes on and he says, and sin leads to death. And I want to say that that is a spiritual and physical death. Because of sin, because of sin that Adam had, that we all have death. We have the sin of the firstborn. And, and because of that, we will all receive death one day. But if you're here and you're a believer and you come to, if you've come to know Christ and you've been saved through the grace of Jesus, then, then what he's also saying here is that you, if you continue to sin on, then it will cause you to be miserable. It will cause you to be miserable, that it will cause you to have spiritual death and separation between you and the Father. Then verses 16 through 17. Do not be deceived, my brethren, but beloved brethren, Every good, gift, good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That God only provides good and perfect gifts. He's just saying, look, that God does not tempt you. God does not do these things to you that your selfishness and your pride does and your, and your flesh does. God does not because God only provides good and perfect gifts. And then in verse 18, he sums it up by saying this. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. He says, and, and this is a kind of, I don't want to break this down. I just want to explain it simply. He says, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we are saved by God and God alone. That God saves us. The perfect gift that God has provided for us today is salvation through Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. Not by our own merit, not by our own ability, but only by God and God himself. So that when we go through these trials and these temptations of this world, that we can depend on him because he has provided salvation. And this morning, I want to look back to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. I read it as we started and I just want to read this, and I want to think about it for a little bit. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but, and, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, and I do not box as one beating the air. 
But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul is talking about here, he's expressing that he is running a race, that, that we are running a race as well, that, that we're running the race of this life. And that we will find ourselves, we will go through these difficulties and these hard times in life. And it, but he says, look, that, that we're running this race of life. And later on he'll explain that he has finished that race and he has fought the good fight and he has completed it. And that's what Paul says at the end of his life. And Paul understood this. Paul understood that, that this life is difficult and that there's moments of difficulties, but those moments are used to develop us spiritually. That God uses these, these struggles, these problems, these issues to, to develop us and to build us up. I want to look back at verse 25, though. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but, and, but we and imperishable. He, he's using this example of athletes in, this, in his day and time, and his athletes would be a little different than ours. If you ever watched the Gladiator, that would have been some form of athletes in this time period. Uh, but in our period, when we think of athletes, what's the number one thing we think of most of the time in the South? Football, right? Uh, and I, I'm sorry, Sean, but I, I think about Alabama football. Uh, and I think about uh, a couple of guys from uh, Pickens County that I've, I didn't really know, no, but I, I knew of them that went to Alabama uh, and played. And one's there now, and he'll probably play next year. He didn't play any this year. And one was Michael Williams. He, he graduated in uh, 08 from Reform. And I think about these two guys, and Ben Davis is the one that just graduated, and he went. Uh, but I think about these two guys. They went to Alabama, and, and they're big guys. Like Michael Williams is like 6'6", so he's just naturally a big guy. And Ben, he's like 6'3". Uh, so they're naturally just tall, you know, they're built right. But, you know, before they go to Alabama, they just look like high schoolers, right? And then you'll see them that first year, year and a half afterwards, and then they're going to look like the Hulk. You'll see them, they'll be all muscled up. And I think about anybody, everybody in Alabama, like a buddy of mine, he had the opportunity to hear the punt, punt kicker speak at a, an event in Reform not too long ago. And even the punt kicker at uh, Alabama is a muscled up guy. And I think about that, and I think about the way they do their athletes there. And, and it's, it's like that at every college. It's not just Alabama, but uh, that's just the example that I had this morning. And they, what they do is they, they have self-control, right? They eat the right things. They do the right things. They condition them. They work out. They, they run. They exercise. And, and because of that, what happens? They become muscle. They become big. They become ready to, to, to fight in this next football season and then you think about it as some go to the next step and they go to the NFL and they seem to get that much bigger, right? For each level of life, they grow and they get muscled up and they, 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 they grow those, the, the, the ability to do these things and our lives are the same way. That, that we go through these difficulties and they're called to build us up and to grow us spiritually. That, that, and I think about the way muscles work and I should get Mallard to explain this, but I'll, I'll do my best, is that when muscles, the way it works is when you work out, you actually break down the muscles in your body, and then they grow back tighter or something like that. Uh, and so when, when you're working out, you're actually tearing your body down so it can build back stronger. And this is what these trials and these temptations are meant to do in our lives. They, they, they're going to break us down a little bit, but I promise you that God will build you back up even stronger. 
that God has a purpose and a plan for every situation that we go through in life. And it may be those trials or it may be the temptations that we go through, but there is a purpose and a plan behind them. So what does it mean to us today, and how should we apply this to our lives? The first thing we see is the first thing we saw last week is that we should consider these moments joyous. That when we go through trials, when we go through struggles, when we go through temptation, that we consider them a good thing. That's not an easy thing to do, but that is the first step in it. And the reason why we should consider them joyous is because we should understand that God has a purpose to build us up spiritually for them. That God has a purpose to grow us spiritually and he desires for us to be more developed for the next stage of life. That, that somebody gets out of high school, they go and they play college ball and they build them up and they muscle them up for that. And then they go to NFL and they get even bigger. It's the same thing in our lives is that, that we go through these things so that God can develop us for each stage of life. I want you to think about the stuff that you go through in your life today. If you would have went through it 10 years ago, how would it be for you? It had been horrible, right? Think about the things I go through and the struggles I have. If, if it would have happened any other time and God hadn't have prepared me along the way, then it wouldn't be good. My faith wouldn't be in Him. So He's developing us. He's building us up. He's desiring for us to grow so He can use us. And then the last thing I want you to understand is that God does not tempt you, but your desires do. God does not tempt us. God cannot tempt us, but we are tempted by our own desires. We can't be like Adam and we can't be like Eve. We can't blame anybody else but ourselves. So this morning we have to take ownership of that. But when we go through these trials and we go through these temptations, we consider it joyous because those moments are used to develop us into spiritual maturity. And as the worship team comes, I want to ask you something. I want to ask you three things and I want you to think about these as we sing this last song is what is God trying to teach you today? See, as I look back on last week's sermon, and I really didn't ask myself this question, and looking back on it, I'm glad it just happened, but God was teaching me a little bit of patience. That when I was walking on the side of the road on a Saturday morning, that, that I, I trusted in God's sovereignty and trusted that there was a reason why I was getting wet and my, new sh my good shoes were getting ruined and See, what is God teaching you today? Because maybe this next week you're going to go through something he wants you to learn this morning. Also, what desires are leading you away and enticing you? That it's not God tempting you, it's not God uh, enticing you, but it's your own desires. So what is it that guides you away? What is it that pulls you away? And then also, how can you trust God more in your temptation? How can you depend on his grace more? This morning as we're going to sing this last song, I just want to encourage you to ask God to continue to develop you this morning. To take away this morning what it is that God has for you. You're not here, you're not here by accident. You're here for a plan and a purpose. And God's wanting to teach you this this morning. And what is it that he's teaching you? It's only between you and him. Maybe you want to come and pray. Maybe you want to talk to me. I'll be here. Or maybe you just want to sit where you are and pray where you are. And just praise God for who he is. However God wants you to respond, I pray that you respond. And I pray that we grow spiritually. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we thank you for this day, God. And we thank you for just all that you have done, God. And we just pray right now that as we find ourselves in the trials and the temptations of this world, that you comfort us, God. Maybe we're there today. 
Maybe we woke up with them this morning. Maybe, maybe they, they haven't left yet, God, and we're still going through them. God, I pray that you comfort us in them. And God, that you give us the ability as a church to build one another up and to encourage one another and to help one another, God. But I pray this morning that ultimately that if you're speaking to somebody and you're trying to teach them and develop them and grow them, God, that you, they allow you to show you, God, to show them, God, what it is you're saying and how it is you're wanting them to learn, God. And I pray that we reflect on you this morning, God, and that when we leave here, we depend on your grace and mercy more today than we did yesterday. In your son's holy name, amen.